You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Average Conservationist podcast brought to you by Outdoor Class and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Outdoor Class is the new single source of premium outdoor education from trusted, knowledgeable experts. For hunters committed to improving their skills, Outdoor Class is the only subscription-based e-learning platform that provides unlimited access to video lessons from the world's most respected experts covering topics across a hunter's entire journey. Learn from industry leaders like Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, Remy Warren, and other prominent personalities and organizations. Sign up today and use code AVERAGE to save 20%. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies, breweries, Contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Got a good one for you today. Uh, Today, I am joined by Cody Wright, and Cody is the owner and founder of 2% Certified Barbell Base Camp. 
and what Barbell Base Camp is, <clears throat> is it, it's almost like I would call it a community, um, or that is at least what Cody is trying to build with Barbell Base Camp, and it is um, designed to help prepare uh, hunters for those Western hunts. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of hunters that are coming from the Midwest or the East, um, really don't fully know what to expect, especially on their first trip, right? They don't know what to expect in terms of the, the terrain, the elevation, all those things that we read about, we listen to on podcasts, um, but there's really no way to fully understand what type of toll it's going to take on your body, uh, both physically, mentally. Uh, so what Cody is trying to build is, is various programs that uh, hunters can use uh, really throughout the entire year whether it's leading up to a hunt, uh, during hunting season, after the hunting season, um, kind of leading into it, all these things um, to really help train and prepare you uh, as best as possible uh, for you know the the physical and mental demands that you're going to be um, getting into when you you know embark on that western hunt, uh, especially if it's your first time or or maybe you've gone once and and you struggled, um, you know because you thought you were prepared or you know maybe. Um, you know, from a, an overall physical fitness standpoint, you were in good shape, um, but the mountain is something totally different. Um, so these these workouts are tailored um, to really try to strengthen those muscles um, that you're going to need or that you're going to really utilize. Um, you know, when you're in the backcountry, <clears throat> Cody really talks of uh, he tells a really good story about his first Western hunt and how that kind of really spurred the idea uh, for Barbell Base Camp and uh, again what he's trying to build with this and really um, try to fill um, that piece of the puzzle or put together or offer that piece of the puzzle uh, to the grand scheme of things when you're embarking on that first hunt. Um, and then along with that we get to to certainly talk about you know the conservation piece why it's so important to him you know what the outdoors looked like to him and why it's something that um, he's really enjoyed and um, spent a lot of time doing um, since his early years uh, growing up on a ranch in Oklahoma so super cool episode uh, one that I certainly enjoyed and I think you guys are going to too um, so episode 115 Cody Wright Barbell Base Camp. Uh, enjoy. Um, today's episodes are going to be brought to you by Hard Side Hydration. If you're looking for a rugged and dependable hydration setup for the backcountry, you need to visit hardsidehydration.com and check out the Swig Rig. And their Swig Rig converts any Nalgene bottle into the perfect uh, hydration setup. It gives you an option that's easy to clean, easy to access, and allows you the peace of mind that your hydration setup isn't going to fail you in the backcountry. I have one of these. Uh, I have not used it on a backcountry hunt, but I've used it for various other things, and the application is flawless. Uh, super easy to set up. Again, easy to clean. If you want to run powder drinks, you got that in there. It's the perfect setup. Um, super easy to use, durable. Never any question on if it's going to fail. So head over again to hardsidehydration.com and check out their swig rig and also some new swag that they just dropped. Uh, I think maybe a week or so ago too. So some cool stuff to grab there. Uh, today's episode is also going to be brought to you by, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Go Hunt. Uh, if you have not, now is the perfect time to head over to GoHunt.com uh, and check out their Explorer membership for their mapping system. It's a great tool to use. Um, 
there's a bunch of new features uh, that were recently added that will really help make, I mean, all of your e-scouting um, that much easier. And then when it comes time to actually get into the field, it's gonna you're gonna be fully prepared. You're gonna have everything uh, accessible, ready. You're not gonna have to worry about what layers or if you forgot to turn layers on when you were downloading your maps. Um, you can download the specific area that you're going to go in. So basically, it's going to be very tailor-made to your exact situation when you're in the field. Um, so if you are going to do that, or if you want to sign up to become an insider, um, use code AVERAGE at checkout. You're going to save 20%. And with that, if you sign up for an insider membership, you're going to get $50 to use towards their gear shop. Or if you sign up for their Explorer membership, you're going to get $20 to use towards their gear shop. So again, use code AVERAGE at checkout, and that's GoHunt.com. All right, Mr. Cody Wright, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you today? Thanks, Marcus, man. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Hey, I'm doing well. It's it's a Wednesday afternoon uh, in sunny Michigan here. It's actually, we were going through this terrible, like, hot spell where it was just, like, super humid, super muggy for a good stretch there and yesterday it finally broke and it was only like mid 70s and the humidity was way down so got to open the windows up get the kind of the the funkiness from air condition out of the house and everything <laughs> so it's uh it's going well man man that sounds nice I, I i don't know when the last day was that we didn't have triple digit heat here in central texas oh i i uh, sometimes, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. Like I love summer. I mean, there's just a, a, a plethora of things to do, especially here in Michigan. And I, I love, you know, the sunshine, the warm, you know, the warm air and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're in the winter time, you're like, oh man, I wish it were, uh, you know, summer again. But sometimes it's just, there's just too hot, right? Where you don't want to be doing anything. And, you know, depending upon what you do for a living, sometimes you don't really have a choice, right? You got to be, you got to be knee deep in it. Yeah, there's a lot of times when I'm like, man, I sure am looking forward to fall. Yeah. For, for more than one reason. Right. Yeah, <laughs> ready to get away from the, the triple-digit heat for a little while. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, man, I'm glad we're uh, we're able to do this. I know we've been in contact for for a few months, kind of going back and forth, trying to our, get our schedules to align, and, and today we're able to make it happen. So I'm I'm excited to hear more about Barbell uh, Base Camp and, and everything that you have going on, the, uh, going on there and kind of your story and your journey that brought you to uh, to this point. Yeah, man. Hey, I sure appreciate you having me on. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> let's kind of start at the beginning here. Cody, tell me a bit about yourself. So um, as a as a full-time job, I am a, a con- construction guy. As I've got a, a residential home construction company. We just best build uh, all custom homes out here in Central Texas and, and the Highland Lakes area. Um, and then aside from that, we've got Barbell Base Camp, uh, which has kind of been my my project for a couple of years now, it's my main passion really in life is, is health and fitness and hunting. And so being able to bring those two together is, it's been a really cool deal. So you're, you're in central Texas there, born and raised in Texas, or you uh transplant? How did you uh, end up there? Man, I'm a transplant actually. I moved here uh, about five years ago. And it's, I was originally from Northeastern Oklahoma, um, ranching my whole life on a ranch up there and outside of Cleora, Oklahoma. I went to school, did my undergraduate at Oklahoma State University. I met my wife there. She's from the area we're at now. Um, so came down here and visit, man, just fell in love. So after undergraduate, we came down here and I just hadn't left. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say <clears throat> that uh, that I blame you, you know, despite the heat. Um, you know, Texas is a, is a beautiful state, and it, especially in terms of, you know, 
outdoor activities, outdoor pursuits that you can get into, man, there's, there sure is a ton down there. Absolutely. That and the people, you just can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's something about that kind of that, that, that hospitality that you get when you're in Texas. It's, uh, it's hard to kind of put your finger on or really explain, but you know it when you see it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you, you mentioned that you had this this uh, this passion and and really a, I think kind of a, a curiosity for for fitness um, and, and things like that. Where where did that come from? Was that something that you know sports maybe in high school or just realize as you got older? You know the the importance of taking care of yourself. Where does that that uh, that passion really come from? Man, it actually started pretty young in life. Uh, actually, as a middle schooler, I really started getting into weightlifting originally for football, um, but it was kind of just like my my escape in my happy place growing up as I just loved hitting the gym, was pretty religious about it. And um, that transferred on as I, I played football and played tennis and powerlifting in high school. Um, and whenever I went to Oklahoma State for my undergraduate, I was actually a part of their powerlifting team. Uh, so that carried on through that and then was able to work as a, a strength and conditioning coach for the University of Oklahoma while I was doing my undergraduate and uh, training athletes there for uh, track and football. Um, so that was a really cool thing, getting to work with such high-level athletes. And then past that, um, it's really just it's grown into a couple different areas be- between training just regular athletes and, and people, first responders and stuff. Um, actually been able to, to work with some special forces guys um, all the way from doing stuff for their train-ups and work-ups, SWAT guys in San Antonio. Um, and then even on the other side of the spectrum, doing um, prep for some uh, marathon runners for the Boston qualifier. Oh, so wow. it's, it's been a, a full range of things, but it's, it's always been my passion. It's just never been able to have that spotlight that I'd like it. What I'd like to. to have. Yeah. And I'd imagine that that probably <clears throat> from a, you know, from a, a trainer standpoint, right. That can, that just makes you that much more well-rounded being able to train um, and, and really set up a, a marathon runner for, um, you know, set them up for success and, and put them in a position to be, you know, as prepared as possible for, especially for, you know, something like a, a Boston qualifier, or a, a race of that magnitude. But then also, if you look at like, you know, high level athletes, like in college, um, to, to special operations in the military and things like that. I mean, that is a, a wide array of, of people, uh, that need training and probably very specific and different training as well. It is, man. It's been really cool. I've been really lucky to, to be able to have such a broad spectrum of training that I, I mean, it can apply in so many ways, but it's so different for each athlete, especially being, you know, the different specializations from special forces to, to SWAT, to, to a marathon runner, to a D1 athlete. I mean, they all need something different, but like the foundations really in the, in the hard work and how to create the programs is, is pretty similar, but it's it's been a neat thing. Yeah, you mentioned something there about your time in high school and <clears throat> mentioning, you know, you got into the lifting at a, at a young age um, and then, you know, you really started training for, you said football, and then you very casually dropped in there tennis, which I just, when I, and then you said obviously powerlifting. <laughs> so you're like football, powerlifting, tennis. Like I just, I hadn't heard those three uh, together and it, it kind of almost made me chuckle because when I, you know, picture obviously like someone um, that's doing powerlifting, I'm thinking of, you know, very strong, you know, very big, broad shoulders, uh, something yeah. like that. And then I don't necessarily think about that person, you know, on a tennis court as well. It, it was a funny thing, you know, I was 182 pounds and, and pretty lean. So it was definitely not your typical, your t- typical tennis player, but 
it just helped me be more of a multifaceted athlete. You know, I wasn't just some big meathead who could only, you know, flex <laughs> in the mirror type of thing. I was like, I, I had to be mobile. And I, I think that's where a lot of the kind of holistic hybrid athletes um, training methodology really came from is trying to be the guy that had muscles and being able to have that functionality of, of the strength behind it by on the other term, also being able to move and be able to have endurance. It's just, there's a lot of people don't think you can have both, but it's actually something that's critical if you want to have a, a long-term sustainability with it. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I mean, I could not agree more with you because, you know, I, as you know, I, I did sports and everything for, you know, the better part of my, you know, early life. And then, you know, up until early twenties and the, the importance behind, uh, well, let me back up. I realized later in life the importance of playing all of these different sports, you know, when you were young and in high school. Uh, I mean, I did baseball, basketball, football, and then one year I did track as well because we could do track and baseball at the same time, which worked out. But the the things that you gain from a physical standpoint, from an agility standpoint in basketball, um, you know, translate to on the football field. The hand-eye coordination from baseball translate to you know to catching a pass in football or, or something along those lines. I mean, the like you said, the the cross training uh, or the cross you know functionality between all those sports um, just makes you so much more well-rounded later on in life. And you can you find that you can pick up sports or hobbies later on in life, and you pick them up that much quicker just because of all the things you've done kind of leading up to that point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Barbell Base Camp, how did that idea really come about for you? So there was actually a pivotal moment uh, a couple of years back. Growing up in northeastern Oklahoma, I didn't really have a chance to, to go out west hunting. And it's something I'd all, I mean, grown up just dreaming about doing, but didn't have that available to me as a kid. And um, so finally, here a couple of years back, um, in 2018, um, I was able to have the time and to be able to put the effort into training to go out west on a hunt in Colorado for uh, first rifle season elk hunt um, in the Ucumpare Wilderness, so up there, central uh, western Colorado. And so I'd been training. I'm, I've I've been pretty dedicated for the past decade of, of I mean five or six days a week working out. And cardio hadn't always been there, but I was trying to dial it all in. I was running a bunch between twenty and thirty miles a week, so I felt like I had it had a good base for it. Um, and then, I, so I go up there a couple of days before season starts and we're glassing and we're, we get lucky and see a, a really nice six by six bull um, across a ridge from us. And so we'd seen another hunter a little bit lower down from us on a different ridge glass in the same area. So we thought, oh, there should be a pretty easy way about getting over there. Um, so I was able to get close enough to where I felt comfortable with my rifle set up. And the 624 yard shot and put him down first shot and you're like okay now now the work begins so you're like, okay <laughs> we're we're gonna go try and just hop it shouldn't be a big deal you know this guy's hunting right here it looks like there's a a narrow path here between the two ridges we should be able to walk through this drainage and get up on that other side um, and whenever we go to get down there there's a, a house-sized boulder that has broken off later found out about two years ago there was a, a nice navigable path before then but it broke off somehow <sighs> fell down in there and so we're like oh crap you know like how in the world are we going to get across here so thankfully we had our onyx maps pull them up 
and trying to find them out. You know, this is before Go, Go Hunt had their whole set up. Yeah. So we, we pull it up and try and find something. And there's a horse trail that uh, is about four miles from where we're at, where it starts to then go across this um, big ravine where this canyon is and then go back up the other six miles um, back to the north where my bull's at. Um, so we, I shot this thing first light. So it was by the time the, the shot rang, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. So it was still real early. Um, and by the time we finally made it over to him, it was a 10 miles there that first day. Cause we kind of like trying to meander through. Um, so it was 10 miles there and it, it was six o'clock that night. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a 10 hour hike over there of trying to figure out. We had about 3000 foot of vertical drop and elevation gain. So I was like, oh, man, it's like we hadn't even cut this thing up yet. And we've already put a full day of work into it. Yeah. And so it's, we finally get him quartered up, hang him up, and start heading out of there at midnight. Um, and from that point on, we, it took us till 6 in the morning to, to load him out the first time. Like, okay, we're disgusting. We're going to go try and just get us a, the cheapest hotel possible somewhere, clean up, and we're going to get a couple hours rest and come back. So we head out to Delta, which is the closest town, and there was not a single hotel um, that had any vacancy. Maybe it was the time we were coming in, but for whatever reason, there was a convention of all places. There was a convention (laughs) in town that booked up all the hotels. So (laughs) we spent the next hour driving to Grand Junction to try and find a hotel. We get one. It's nine in the morning at this point by the time we get into a hotel room. We sleep for two and a half hours, get up at 11 and a half, and head back out to the mountain. And we get back out there. At this point, we know what we're doing. We made sure to leave a, a trail back and forth to the bull. Um, we getting um, packed out the rest of the way. And in the past two days, we'd spent 50 miles hiking in and out getting this bull. And, and two, my first two days of Western hunt never. And that was, it was just not what I was expecting. I mean, I, I, I'm listening to this and to try to, for me, really um, understand or to put myself in your position, in your shoes, uh, I just, I mean, th- that's jumping into the deep end um, with, uh, like I said before, like a weighted vest and, you know, steel toe boots on, like everything you can do to make this as hard as possible is essentially what happened to you in your first, uh, in your first ever crack at Western hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way because it was a, a real pivotal moment of like, wow, this is what I've been wanting. Like, wh- I mean, it's so much different than hunting in the, mid- the Midwest. Cause like, you know, you either, you do spot and stock, but most of the time you're just in a tree stand, Yeah. which is super fun in its own way, but it's, it doesn't push you like Western hunting does. And so going on that hunt just really fueled the fire of, man, I know there are so many other people out there that want to be able to go out Western hunting, but don't know how to do it or don't know how to train for it. And so that's Barbell Base Camp really just came from that of just, I, I want to build a community and build it, be able to have a platform of, of really showing people, hey, if you want to do this and get serious about it, this is where you should start. Yeah, no, that's that's a great reason because, you know, look at it and I'm sure you probably, you know, retrospectively looked at it and said, you know, I was in good shape. You know, even if it wasn't necessarily, um, 
the the right kind of shape let's say just because it wasn't necessarily your training and everything wasn't specific as as it probably would be now right but you you're still you know you're young you're in good shape you know you're running a lot you're you're strong and then you go out into the mountains and it's just it's a whole nother beast right it just it is it just kind of chews you up and that's that's the way of the mountain um to be able to prepare for that i think and and i've listened to a ton of podcasts i've read a ton of articles myself and it's it's almost like there's no substitute or it's hard to get a substitute for actually being in the mountains but to have programs available that are going to be the next best thing i think it's something that anyone who's is serious about you know, pursuing Western animals, Western big game is something that they absolutely, um, you know, need to take seriously before they embark on that journey. Absolutely. I mean, sure, you can just roll off the couch and go do a Western hunt, but it's probably not going to be the hunt that you had in mind. You know, it's so physical and mental trying to have a successful hunt, especially on public lands. So, like, you're competing with all these other guys, and they may be from the area, so they've already got a leg up on you. So why put yourself at such a disadvantage whenever you can do everything that is possible within your power and your circumstance to get prepared? Yeah. And that the thing that you just mentioned there, that that mental aspect of it is I think that's one of the things that a lot of people probably aren't expecting to really come face to face with when they're out there. Right. They they don't know what it's going to take to keep going. They've never pushed themselves to the point of breaking, so to speak, and they're just not ready for it. And that's one of the things that um, is is hard to train for. But I think in order to do that, what you need to do is is leading up to it and just, you know, even in your everyday life, you've gotta you've gotta put yourself in in tough situations. You've gotta you've gotta do hard things. I guess it is a very basic way of saying it, right? I mean, that's the rudimentary way, but that's, you're exactly right. If, I mean, if you've not done hard things, how do you expect to handle them well? Yeah. So, I mean, that, you're exactly right. And that can come from, from weightlifting. But what I've found as far as outside of hunting, but within a training circumstance is those endurance training time. So like going out and actually having a really good, endurance running base and and having a structured plan behind that where you're not running hard every single day of the week but like having a good base plan where you're building your aerobic fitness but running's hard and it doesn't matter how much you've done it if you're doing it right it's always going to be hard and so that seems to lead to be a, a really good way to have some sort of base without being out on the mountain yeah yeah absolutely and i think of you know, this is just a kind of a, a small personal example of kind of making sure you're in that right headspace. Is um, last summer um, I was training to run a marathon um, and pulled a hamstring in some training, didn't stretch very well before a run, and it put me on the sidelines for like three weeks. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't get it healed. Um, basically, I, in that time, I realized like I'm, I'm not going to be where I want to be in order to run this race, right? So I kind of reassessed, made a new game plan, decided to, to do this other, this other race. It was a 10 mile race. And I thought to myself, like, I know I can be prepared for this, um, and, and so forth and so on. And kind of throughout that training process, like I have a treadmill and I would run outside, I would get on the treadmill and I could just, you know, vary the speed or set the speed and I could just go, right. I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't really get, 
you know, I felt good. That's, I guess is a good way to put it. And then sure. I would go out on the, you know, run outside and it's a whole different ball of wax because you actually have to do all of the work, right? The, you don't just have to kind of put one foot in front of the other to maintain your speed like a treadmill does. You have to actually in your mind say, okay, I've got to pick up the pace. I got to slow my pace down. I've, okay, this is, you know, you're looking at your watch and you're trying to figure out what your pace is and all that. And you're checking your heart rate. You're doing all the things that you do, you know, when you're, when you're out for any type of, of lengthy run. And just that little just difference, right, between running on a treadmill and running outside is, it's all just, it, it's like a mental, it, it, it's, it's all mental, right, without, without cussing too much. I mean, that's, that's just what it is. And it's, I don't think that a lot of people really understand that mental aspect, and not just Western hunting and training, but just life in general. When things get hard, a lot of times people just fold it in um, because they've never put themselves in an uncomfortable situation. You're right. And you're, you're absolutely right. As far as the treadmill versus outside, like you're taking so many of those variables out whenever you're on the treadmill, like, you don't have to worry about the weather. You've always got water right next to me. You, you can quit at any point. Like there's no, it's just an easy quit button there. Yeah. Whereas whenever you're, you're out running, you're, you're doing it regardless whether you're walking home or you just finish it out. So and there's just so many more variables that come in there that make it real life as, as far as having differences in the road whether you're running on gravel running on pavement and difference in inclines and declines i mean there's so much more to it and that helps you be more prepared yeah absolutely so what did that process look like after you you know you had your experience with uh with your elk hunt there and then you realize you know okay you want to build this community and give people a place to to be better prepared um, where, you know, hunting and fitness kind of cross paths. What did the process look like for you to kind of get the ball in motion to, to get things started with Barbell Base Camp? Man, it was crazy at first. I didn't know really how to go about any of it because I'm, I'm not naturally uh, good at social media or any of that. I, I don't have a whole <laughs> lot of experience, you know, didn't have any experience building websites or trying to figure out how in the world to promote this or get out there in a platform that made any sense and it looked good at all so it was a, a huge learning curve for me um, it all kind of started as far as trying to get programs that wasn't just something I wanted to do but for other people and um, I, I tried it with my friends I, I tried it with some of the other guys in the army with me and I'm in the Texas Army National Guard and so I, as a, a scout um, platoon member I've been able to use those starting out use the guys on my team and just trying to help them prep for missions so i mean which is very similar to to training for hunting you know being the army you just you've got a rucksack on all the time and which is what you're doing hunting yeah (laughs) so that that was a really good base but then once i finally got some programs dialed in where i felt good about the full construction of bringing in the endurance base and the rucking base and then having the strength and conditioning on top of that, I've been able to start and, and try and really figure out the whole website design of things. If I don't have the product, there's no point in building a platform. And so once I was able to come up with that whole product line of, which is our overbuilt backcountry hunter training series, where I've got seven different programs that span the whole 365 days of the year, whether you're in the off season, the post season, the preseason, or actually in hunting season there's workouts that will help get you through those phases 
um, I was able to figure out how in the world to build this website in a way that made sense for other people um, through a lot, a lot of trial and error and changing things up and trying to learn how to do different coding. And it's, it's been a really <laughs> cool process, but it's been a ton of work. So what goes into actually putting together, you know, one of your programs, whether it's, you know, let's, let's take, for example, um, you know, the preseason, like, uh, you know, the workup to, to actually going on your hunt. What goes into that process of putting that workout plan together? Sure. I mean, just the first thing is going to be deciding what the main focus and goal needs to be. And for us, it's hunt specific training. So stuff that is going to directly correlate with what you'll be doing out in the field. So that'll be, we do five full body days of workouts each week uh, with running on top of that. Um, the workouts are all about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the day. Um, and just trying to incorporate as many movements that we can into a lot of it is hip stability, core strength, back strength, and leg strength. You know, the, the area is what you're going to be using the most. And so we'll have at least one day a week where you got your back, your pack on, whether you're doing box step ups or box lunges, box um, squats, and all with the pack on doing different movements. Um, and then from there, it's going to be doing what's called progressive overload, um, which is continuously building upon that base that we've made throughout the rest of the year. So like whatever your volume or your weight or the reps are going to be like, it's, it's ever increasing um, in a way that's sustainable to where we're always being able to, to build without building too much and then getting hurt. Okay. Um, so it doesn't sound necessarily like uh the workout I want if, uh, you know, I want to look a little bit better in a tank top, eh? The, for the preseason, <laughs> it's not. No, for the preseason, no. But there's other times in the year where that's absolutely the case, the focus. So, like, during the start of the postseason, so directly coming out of your season, you know, you're probably going to be kind of worn down. Um, we focus on the recovery and the mobility, and then we start building that strength base and start working on hypertrophy, so, like, building muscle mass um, during the second half of that eight week, the second postseason eight week program, and then all of the next two phases, the off season one and off season two, where you've got sixteen weeks, is all focused on strength and hypertrophy, so building muscle. So that, which is perfect, because during that time of the year, you're prepping for summer anyway. Yeah, so absolutely. It's all. It's I've tried to think it through in a way that is <laughs> functional for on and off the mountain. <laughs> yeah. No. Right on. Um, so one of the questions I was going to have was, so let's say someone who isn't necessarily planning for a Western hunt, right? But they they still want to get in shape, um, you know, maybe just going to the gym and doing things on their own hasn't really been what they're looking for. Is this still a program that someone who just says, hey, I just want to get in better shape, um, you know, I, I like what I see in terms of uh, you know, the full body aspect, the the building, the strength, the building, the endurance, all those things. Is this still something that you would recommend to someone who really maybe has no interest in hunting, just wants to, you know, be in better physical fitness? Absolutely. I mean, and if you have no interest in hunting, just cut the, the in season and the preseason out of it. If you're not wanting to like get into any of that, because if the preseason can be really good for also building that endurance, but if you're trying to just, if your goal is staying in shape or building muscle, then just cut that one out and you still have three or four other programs currently on the website that are focused on building that. 
but we've actually got another line of programs, which is going to be the power building um, series, which is going to be geared towards the hunter, um, but just given some extra, basically uh, full spectrum of, of training. So if you want a different kind of training split than what that program offers, we'll have a couple different ones that'll be able to get that for you coming up. Okay. Um, right on. And I know, well, <clears throat> anyone who, you know, is, is serious about their, their physical fitness knows that obviously a, a workout regimen, um, is, is very important, but I think, um, what's maybe more important is the diet aspect of things, right? Making sure you're putting good food into your body to, to be fueled for those workouts and, and for those hunts. So do you guys offer any type of <clears throat> nutrition plan or um, kind of some, some basic guidelines to help people help keep people on the right track during their training? Absolutely. So right now we've, we've got a, a nutrition 101 blog post that it kind of lays out all of the basic type of schemes of things of, you know, what's a fat, what's a carb, what's a protein, why do I need them? When do I need them? And how many of them do I need? Um, we're not currently offering any like specific meal programs, but I'm definitely going to be focusing more on adding in some more specific stuff without giving like a, a, a full curated meal plan and um, just to make sure that everybody can read this and say, okay, this is how I can apply this to me personally, rather than just focusing on single individuals. Yeah. The, I think they, I'm not a, a, a fitness guru by any means, but I mean, they call that your, your macros, correct? Is that, is that That's right? right? Yeah. Figuring yes. that keep, I remember the first time I read that and this was, you know, years ago, I was like, what the hell are macros? Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around in, uh, you know, kind of the, the third grade way of saying is it's like, oh, it's your, it's your fats, your proteins and your carbs, right? Just, you know, how much of, of each of those you're, you're eating or should be eating to, you know, do what you want your body to do. Um, exactly. And even more on that is where you're getting those from. So if it's yeah. from a bunch of processed food, you know, that you're getting from, from Wendy's or Dairy Queen, it's probably not what you could be fueling your body with in terms of real performance. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, and as I get older, I mean, I'm in my late thirties now. Um, but I've certainly noticed the, just a slowdown in general of my body, right? Just the, the inconsistency of working out, you know, when, when I am, I feel great. Um, and, and everything kind of seems to fall in place, but it doesn't take long. Like if I have an injury or, you know, whatever the case, I just get off my routine. Uh, it's very, I, I go back to feeling kind of like shit really quickly, right? Like it does not take me long at this point in life to, uh, to fall back into some bad habits and just your body just doesn't recover like it did when I was in my early twenties. It definitely starts to wear on you as you get older. And it, it's like you're saying, it, it's amazing how fast, even if it's not the physical aspect, the mental aspect of, Oh man, I'm not in my routine. I don't want to do this anymore. It's, it's, it's hard to stay with it until you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm not happy. I've got to make a change. Yeah. Shirts start fitting a little bit tighter. That always fit you before all of a sudden you've got to take the belt loop. Uh, yeah. You got to take the notch in the belt out one and you're like, huh, <laughs> haven't used this one before. That's probably not a good thing. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 so it's all about the consistency at that point, which is tough, especially whenever you're juggling so many other things in life. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Um, and it's just, you've just got to make it a priority, right? You've just got to know that, and especially, you know, I'm at the point where I've got two young kids and they're just 
you know, balls of energy and they're always go, 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 go. And I, I knew that when I had kids, I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to keep up with them, you know, to a certain degree as much as I can keep up with a, you know, a five and a three-year-old. But that's, uh, it's certainly become, um, in, in recent years, much more important, my, my health and fitness, because yeah, I don't want to be when they're, you know, 15, 16 years old and, you know, my son wants to play catch or, you know, he wants to go skiing or he wants to go on a Western hunt or something like that, that I can't, you know, I don't want to have to say like, sorry, pal, like I just can't do it. Right. Like my body's just, there's no chance that I'm going to be able to put myself through that. So being cognizant of those things, of those things has certainly, um, you know, made health uh, and fitness much more of a priority in my life. Sure. And making those decisions now, rather than waiting until you're in that moment to say, Oh, I need to get better. You're just making those years to come in the future so much easier to stay in shape now. So like you're going to be able to so much easier um, stay healthy than as if you're going to just say, Oh, I'm going to sit on the couch. Oh, the kids are grown now. I better start doing something. It's yeah. just a lot harder if you haven't done anything in so long. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of to, to switch gears a bit here, you grew up in Oklahoma. So what did the outdoors look like for you growing up? I mean, I know you were on a ranch, but did, did you grow up hunting and fishing and things like that? Or what did that look like? Absolutely. That was my only thing I cared about aside from, from lifting weights and sports was hunting. So my, my whole fall was dedicated to whitetail and hunting duck. And we thankfully at that time had a bunch of uh, quail and pheasant. But unfortunately, those ended up getting all killed off during a bad freeze one year. Um, but my life has had been very much revolved around hunting whitetail and, and duck. And then fishing, I, I love to fish during the summers because, you know, at that point, you're either hunting squirrels or you're fishing. You want to yeah. do anything as far, as far as that goes. So I spent a whole lot of time on the lake. We thankfully lived very close to one, so I was able to, to spend a lot of time either fishing um, from the ponds on the ranch or going out to the lake and, and crappie and catfishing there. So that was, aside from sports, my really only other hobby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds... Uh, a whole lot like my upbringing. I mean, I grew up in a, in a rural area as well, so there wasn't um, there wasn't really a lot to do, right? It was you know sports were obviously uh, like I mentioned before very big in my life, but then the the outdoors. I mean, that was something for me to do, but it was also a way for me to spend time you know with my dad. Um, he was a, a a huge outdoorsman, and he was one of those guys who was very passionate about whatever he kind of set his sights on. I mean whether it was, you know, whitetail hunting, um, you know, he got really big into fly fishing and then like fishing on the Great Lakes for, for walleye and things like that. He just, he didn't know how to half-ass things, um, which... Which is a great thing to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, the things he, you know, really got into are, you know, can, can get very pricey <laughs> very quick. Sure. It, I definitely learned from him at an early age, like, if you're going to buy something, you might as well buy the best that you can afford and you might as well have a lot of those things as well, right? Like he was kind of he was kind of like a gear junkie before a gear junkie was was a thing, right? Which <laughs> and you know I inherited you know a ton of his stuff, and you know it's uh, it's certainly uh, I come by it honestly. Um, my passion for for those things, and it's a uh, it's a great way to grow up, you know, having those two things be kind of um, you know what your your world is kind of centered around at that age. Absolutely. It shows you a lot of different 
uh, aspects of appreciation and where are things coming from, you know, the real view of nature that a lot of people don't get the chance at. Yeah. And it, it just creates a really cool upbringing for sure. Yeah. And I think, so for me, I mean, once I got it, it, well, let me ask you this. Was there ever a point where, you know, the outdoors, I don't want to say took a back seat, but you know, like once you get into college, were you still able to spend a lot of time, um, you know, hunting and stuff in the falls or did, you know, schools and, and, you know, girls, cause you know, let's be honest. I mean, that, that type of thing can, um, you know, kind of distract <laughs> us a little bit from, from sure. other things. Right. Was, was that the case for you or were you always pretty fortunate to, to be able to, to do it, you know, year round from, you know, the time you were young till now? During college, it was different. I was so busy between working for the university and actually going to class. I didn't have near the time, but I was thankfully very lucky in order to have um, a lease off of college grounds really close for a hunting area to be able to at least hunt whitetail. And then I had um, Lake McMurtry there in Stillwater has a draw in for um, duck hunting blinds too. So I was able to at least have those two things. That's um, all you which need. I, I mean, I didn't get to do it as much as I would have liked, but I thankfully had the opportunity whenever the time came, you know, get up at five, go hunt, hopefully see something or not, and then go to class at my 8 (laughs) a.m. So it was short stuff, but it was something at least. Oh, yeah. Now, did you have a lot of buddies and things in college that hunted too, or were you kind of, uh, uh, you know, on your own when it came to that? I, I did. I, I've had a couple buddies think. I didn't have a bunch of them that did it, but I did at least have a couple really good friends that I was able to go do that duck hunting with. And we were able to put that food plot together for the deer hunting. And But most of the time it was just by myself. But I, I like that. It depends on the hunt. Sometimes going by yourself and just sitting in nature, in your thoughts, enjoying the environments. A, a really nice therapy almost. Oh, yeah. I, I could not agree more because sometimes that's that's what I love most about hunting. I mean... You know, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I get to, especially once fall comes, you know, I get to spend a lot of time in a tree stand and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm a realist. I don't expect to, to see a lot of deer or any deer or shooters every time I'm out. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just not the way it is. So I, I don't mind a day where, you know, the action is, is relatively slow, right? Where, you know, maybe a few doe and some yearlings or something come strolling in, you know, at last light and you get to watch them for five or 10 minutes before, you know, they move on and you can climb down and that whole thing. But just seeing how nature works, um, you know, just being a part of it and, and being still and quiet. I mean, yeah, those are, those are some of the, the, the more fond memories that I have actually being in a tree stand or just being in the woods in general. Absolutely. Just being able to take in nature and see what all it has to offer is a a, a rare blessing uh, in today's age. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So <clears throat> between, well, with Barbell Base Camp, how does conservation really tie into everything? Man, it, it kind of the foundation in part, as far as, like I said, from the get-go, building that community. You know, if we don't have anywhere to go hunting and it kind of takes away the whole meaning of all of it so making sure that we're doing our part to keep those lands because if so many of us don't have the opportunity to have any big amount of land that has animals that we want to go hunt so we have to use those public lands or blm lands and if we're not doing our part to keep them upkept or add more of them and try and bring in the funds and the awareness of it then there's no point in any of it so I try and help out with my local chapter for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I'm here for the Texas Hill Country, 
and then the Texas Bighorn Society, just contributing my time if I can and contributing monetarily how I can and whenever those opportunities arise. Yeah, no, and that's a great outlook too because obviously what you're, you're trying to build with Barbell is, is a community of hunters and outdoor recreationists, right? And, and knowing that if your program is designed to help a hunter be successful, well, that, that hunter is in turn taking from the land. So, so understanding, you know, kind of the, the full circle of, of what it is that, that barbell base camp represents and what it is, um, I think is, is super cool to see because it's, it's not kind of a, a singular focus, right? It's, it's more of a big picture thing and it's trying to take into account all of the elements that go into, you know, a successful hunt. Absolutely. I mean, that's like I said from the beginning, I mean, any guy can go out and just go on a Western hunt, whether it'll be successful or not, anybody can go do it. But if you want to take the time and, and put the effort in to do it right, that goes further than just the physical training side of things. Yeah. So how was it that you first learned about 2% for conservation? Um, I actually learned from Go Hunt whenever they had first got going, I was big into excitement, you know, they were kind of the pioneer of that whole shopping side of things, which yeah. made my life a lot easier trying to get a bunch of gear. <laughs> yeah, shout out Go Hunt. Absolutely. Um, and I saw them listed on there, and I I wanted to say, hey, man, this is really cool. And so I'm looking into it, and once I finally had my own type of business for that, man, I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great organization, 2%, and then there's – the, the the brands that are associated with it are just you know they're phenomenal they're, exactly yeah that's that's a great way uh, well put because what they do and the impact that they have on on you know the the culture and the society of hunting um, is really big and they have a really big reach and for them to you know lead by example I mean not only go hunt you know companies like Stone Glacier uh, as well that are you know putting the big emphasis on conservation I think is you know, is absolutely the right thing to do. And I, and I really commend not only those, but, but any company that, that has made that 2% commitment. Absolutely. That commitment is still that commitment, whether they have a platform like some of the guys do and some of them don't, it's, they're still doing their part Yeah, and that's what matters. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like you said, it's guys like you and I, right. Who, who don't necessarily have that platform, but we still see the value and the importance of it. So every little bit helps right and it's absolutely it's not a competition and, right it's it's all doing it for for the right cause it's it, yeah it's not a competition at all it's it's such a good cause that can make such a big impact on that that we love so much and i mean having those big platforms is awesome for the fact of just bringing other people like you and i to that to be able to help that much more and it just cascade on itself yeah yeah absolutely so you kind of mentioned a couple there, but what all organizations are you giving back to through Barbell? So currently we've got three that are our big ones, and that's going to be the, the Texas um, Hill Country Rocky Mountain Milk Foundation chapter, um, the Texas Bighorn Society, and the, the Mule Deer Foundation. Okay, right on. Yeah, three great uh, organizations that are doing yeah awesome things for, for conservation, not only in Texas, I mean, RMEF has a you know some branches uh, and a cha- and, or some chapters here in Michigan, um, which I know a lot of people don't necessarily think is Michigan as prime elk hunting, but we get we give out about three hundred tags a year, surprisingly. Um, with this is going to be surprising, an eighty percent success rate last year for for elk tags here in Michigan, which is I'm sure Western hunters hear that and they're just like, okay, well that's probably not really hunting then, like that that's, <laughs> that's fish in a barrel right there, but. 
nevertheless, um, yeah, we still have a very proud elk hunting heritage here in Michigan. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. And people don't realize that there's a lot more elk in the country than what it looks like at first glance. There's yeah. so many small herds that are coming up due to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, be able to transplant those into places where they originally were at that had just been killed off. Yep. And then we're finally being able to rehabilitate or relocate herds and to grow into these other areas and give back natural habitat that was lost. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I love to, to read and see the, the success stories that, you know, these organizations will post about whether it's, you know, acquiring land to, you know, expand the habitat or the home range for, for these big herds, because it just means that, you know, we're, just another step in the right direction to, to maintaining healthy herds and health, healthy populations. Absolutely. And on the other side of that is making sure that everybody has the knowledge and understanding of those small herds and to not have people say, oh, I heard they released some animals over here. Let's go poach them. And right. So growing up, um, we actually had the opportunity to where the Oklahoma Fish and Wildlife Department released six um, elk out on our ranch but within the first two years, they'd all been poached off. Oh, so wow. it's like, so it's, it's, it's understanding that, Hey, there's a bigger picture in play here and letting those animals grow and, and really having a future with that. Yeah. Now, as you're, you're working on building barbell base camp and kind of building that, that community and that client base that we've talked about it and, you know, understanding that, you know, there's, there's a good chance that a, a large percentage of, of people who are, using your programs are hunters uh, of, uh, of some sort have has that conversation ever come up like the the conservation piece of it or you know do people you know wonder about you know your involvement in in conservation in the outdoors absolutely that's i mean it's not the main point of topic but it, it seems to always come up it's hey where you been at lately what have you been doing how you know how have you been going out here and doing these things and it's like They'll ask, you know, how's it like up there? And you've got to tell them, man, it's great because of this reason. You know, people care about where they're going. You know, it's not just hunters in this land. It's other, you know, you got hikers and other people coming in here, but everyone cares about the land and that they're doing their part to make sure that it stays nice so that it, people in the future generations are able to come enjoy it. Yeah, <clears throat> that's uh, very well put. So a couple more things here, Cody, before I let you get out of here and get back to building houses. I mean, we're, I mean, mid, mid August here. So I know in some States, um, hunting season opens up in the next couple of weeks here. Do you have, uh, any big hunts or, or anything planned this year? You're going to be able to get out. I am. I wasn't quite the year I was hoping it was going to be between myself and hunting buddies trying to, to get things scheduled in with, with work. Um, but I am thankfully going to be able to do a couple things. I, so I've always got, I've got a hundred acres at the house. So that's always a fallback for deer hunting. And I'll always do that because there's, that's my main bread and butter of it, but I'll, I'll be able to go back out West this year. I've just got one hunt on the books, um, there in Colorado for, um, an archery elk hunt. So that'll, that'll be a ton of fun. Looking forward to it. And that'll be, um, the last week in September. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I've got, uh, I don't have anything big planned, um, with a couple young kids. It's just, uh, I've, I've said this before on the podcast. It's just, it's, it's a little bit hard to get away right now. I think in a few more years, once they're a little bit older, um, you know, and they're both actually in school full time, uh, it'll be much easier to, to spend some time away, but, um, I'm just preparing mentally for it for the next couple of years until right. I'm actually able to get out there. I mean, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can do. 
Yeah, and thankfully I know some people that uh, have good programs to get me get me ready physically for it. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So, <clears throat> one more thing here, Cody. Where can people, you know, find out more about Barbell Basecamp, learn more, sign up, you know, do some of these workouts, where can all that be found at? Uh, so it's just going to be uh, barbellbasecamp.com. That's, we've got a, a couple different social media sites between Twitter, Instagram, all those are at Barbell Basecamp, as well as a YouTube channel. We've got some videos of specific movements in case you might not know how to do them. Um, we've got some trial workouts up on the website, as well as a, a two-week free trial for any memberships. So no reason you can't just try it. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But barbellbasecamp.com is, is where we've got it all. Awesome. Yeah, I know I've uh, I've definitely been poking around on there, and uh, I'm not gonna lie. Some of the workouts, like there was a, it, it sent me like a trial workout, and I was like, wait, I gotta do all this? Like, come on, like <laughs> this is this like this is not what I expected, but in a good way, right? Like it's a, you know, it was like a, I can't remember which one it was, uh, but I think it was like a, like a week two type thing, like just you know to give you an idea of, of what you're in for, and it's. Yeah, it's for those out there. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Like you're going to work your ass off, and it's going to be it's going to be worth it for sure. Well, it's like you said with the treadmill, Marcus. You know, you can get on the treadmill and just poke the button and ride it out. But what are you really getting out of that? And you know, there's so many times where somebody goes in the in the gym and they'll go do a workout, but they're really just going through the motions. So that's yeah. the workouts are are there to try and push you physically and mentally um, but we do have some easier programs for people who are just starting so we've got the intro to, to uh, overbuild which is a six-week program of a you know get anybody in starter shape to get in those programs too yeah no i think i'm just gonna like you did when on your first time there i'm just gonna dive in the deep end add a bunch of weight and dive <laughs> in the deep end here and see how we come out the other side <laughs> you'll come out better that's for sure <laughs> i love it i love it well, Cody, thank you a ton, man, for taking some time to join me today. I really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to giving Barbell Basecamp a try here in the uh, in the coming weeks. Hey, thanks, Marcus. I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Take care of yourself and we'll talk soon. You too. All right. Well, shout out again to Cody for joining me on the podcast this week. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Hardside Hydration, Stone Glacier, Go Hunt, Wild Rivers Coffee, Outdoor Class, and of course, 2% for Conservation. Do me a favor, go out and support the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. These are all great organizations that are giving back to conservation as well. Uh, And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation driven content uh, that's landing in your feeds. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week again, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Be sure to check out theaverageconservationist.com. Pick up some merchandise there uh, to help support uh, conservation. And uh, yeah, feel good going into uh, hunting season here. So as always, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.